0: Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly based healing artist, and today's episode is an interview with the incredible Davidia Turner. I'm recording this intro this morning wearing my pajamas that have Christmas dogs, as I call them, dogs wrapped in Christmas lights all over them because it's 2020 and that's all we have. This is all we have. (laughs) Um, I want to tell a little story about something that has recently come up for me before I tell you all about the video and what we talk about and get into that interview. I've really been thinking about how much energy moves when we pay attention to what we're being asked to do and we do it, which... Is kind of like a duh, but I want to tell this story because I think it illustrates it pretty perfectly, and it was really the reminder that I needed. Um, there's something I've been really resisting doing for years. <laughs> at this point, um, there was there's an apology that I have needed to offer for yeah years to someone that. I was in relationship with, but I haven't done that. (laughs) And over the past few years, I have received very regular dreams that have made it really clear that that's what I need to do. Um, There have been no shortage of intuitive nudges telling me that that's what I need to do. And still, I resisted clearly for a really long time. I didn't want to for many reasons, feeling scared, feeling like that's too vulnerable, um, feeling afraid of what might happen, feeling like sending that might finally like close a weird energetic door between us that part of me still wanted to have connected. Um, So lots of reasons, but yeah, really I was just deeply resisting and I finally kind of got my shit together, (laughs) and on the full moon eclipse, um, I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I know what I need to say, and, you know, I'm releasing all attachment to outcome, and I'm just gonna show up vulnerably, say what I need to say, and that's, that's that, like, that's all that I have control over in this situation, and that's just what I need to do, and I'm so... Tired, so exhausted of resisting that. So I finally stopped resisting. I sent this apology letter, and a couple of things happened that were pretty wild. So the next night after I sent this letter, I received a dream that was really powerful. And in the dream, I saw this person, which, like I mentioned, they're in my dreams very regularly. Um, But usually, I can't see their face, and they won't really talk to me in my dreams. And this dream that I received after I sent that letter, I could finally see their face, and they did talk to me. And they said, you know, I forgive you, and I'm sorry too, but I I don't want to be friends with you. I don't want to walk down that road with you. And... I woke up and I was like, wow, that dream felt really powerful. It felt really healing. And it also felt, felt kind of like a premonition it felt like that's what's happening. And sure enough, of course, like I open my email and I see a message in much longer in different words, but saying basically that, um, and I felt this, huge energy shift. My dreams, (laughs) my dreams even felt this energy shift and were completely different and offered this like healing and, uh, premonition for me. And then a couple other things happened since then that have really like moved some stuckness that I've been feeling in other areas of my life, which I won't get into. Um, but, (laughs) it's felt pretty wild, and it just feels like a big reminder to me, like, resisting, (laughs) um, it can help for a little while, you know, it can be okay for a little while, I can do it for a little while, but it's exhausting, it's draining, and the, doing the thing that I'm resisting, and working with the fear of doing that, is ultimately gonna help and support me so much more than continuing to like clench and fight and like tense my whole body against what my intuition is asking me to do what my heart is asking me to do maybe the universe to whatever's you know in your practice that you're connected with um, so I just wanted to offer that and also honoring like I'm, I am not judging myself for resisting for so long. I'm not upset with myself for resisting for so long. I know exactly why I had all this resistance. So it's not that either. Like I don't think we need to beat ourselves up for what we resist. Um, but more so, yeah, bringing some awareness to it and seeing if we can be a little a little brave when we're ready to and move through some of that resistance. So, that's, that's what's going on over here. So, Davidia, an amazing human, I was so excited to have this conversation with her, and it was really fun, and we get into a lot of stuff, but it was just a really fun conversation, and you can probably hear that in listening to it, but Davidia helps others awaken their innate capacity for deep self-healing and empowerment through her work as a yoga and embodiment teacher, and intuitive tarot reader and teacher. So we talk about her journey of waking up to her power and her magic, connecting with the power that you do have, even when so many things are out of your control. Which actually, now that I'm reading that, I'm like, my intro is definitely connected to that as well. Like, what's in our control and connecting with the power we do have around that. So, didn't plan that, but connected. (laughs) Um, We talk about spiritual bypassing, holding space, moving through fears of making mistakes to share yourself and your work boundaries and not knowing the kings and the queens of the tarot, the magic of yin yoga, how yin helps us heal and what that practice means to her, unpacking pain versus discomfort, embodying archetypes, tarot as invitational and something that is alive and available to us, getting out of your head with the cards, evolving the ways we talk to ourselves, and self-trust. So yeah, we definitely get into a lot. And at a couple of points in this interview, I tried to mute myself when I could. You will hear some construction happening outside my window. Hopefully it doesn't uh, distract too much, but you know, city life, uh, I can't really control when construction is happening or when it's happening. So just wanted to give you a heads up about that. And just two quick things before we get into my conversation with Davidia. A reminder that you can join the religious trauma workbook waitlist and this wednesday i'm going to be sending out a couple of free email practices from the workbook to support you um, and then the workbook will be coming out soon next monday actually which feels really exciting um, and the second thing is the yule or winter solstice breathwork ceremony is also coming up It is on the solstice, the 21st, at 7 p.m. Eastern, and it's a breathwork ceremony for release and rebirth. I think of the winter solstice as our new year. It's a new cycle where we have this opportunity to honor what has come to pass through the year and release what we no longer want to carry with us into the new year on this longest night, darkest day of the year, and, yeah, an opportunity to step into our intentions and our dreams for the coming cycle as the sun returns and starts to grow stronger every day. So, yeah, the ceremony is open for registration, link is in the description, of course, and there is some early bird pricing for the rest of this week as well so if you definitely want to come take advantage of that and yeah let's get into my conversation with Davidia. I would love to hear about your journey to getting to where you are and how you've come to be doing the work that you're doing.
1: Yes okay so I started practicing yoga um, about nine years ago or so roughly nine and a half years probably Um, I did my first yoga teacher training back home in Ohio, Mm -hmm. and um, it was a year-long process. The main thing that kind of drew me into this particular training was it, uh, they were coming, my teachers were coming from a background of um, fusing yoga and yoga philosophy with veganism. And Mm -hmm. I, at the time, was... And still am a vegan, a different kind of vegan (laughs) than I am now. Um, So that was a huge, that was a huge draw for me at the time. They came from a background of uh, Jiva Mukti, a style of yoga. And so um, I did my training. It was a year long process. I actually started teaching during the training. I just knew right away, like I started offering just like donation based classes to my friends. Um, I knew right away that I had stumbled into something that was going to be a part of my life forever, like as far as teaching, as teaching, being a yoga teacher. Um, So yeah, I started teaching right away, Um, ended up teaching at a local university. I'm from um, Ohio, Cincinnati, Ohio. So I started teaching yoga there. Um, and, uh, that was what, pro- what is what propelled me, um, forward to, yeah, like from there, I discovered like my love of the moon. Like mm-hmm. I started practicing yoga with the moon cycles and that was then the segue into witchcraft. I read like the spiral dance mm-hmm. and, uh, um, it really, that was like a pivotal moment in learning about the idea of like ritual for myself um, and this process of like self-discovery of what it meant to follow my own rhythms and cycles with the moon, with the seasons in particular. And so my practices, like my yoga practice has always been very much inspired by that at its core, like the moon and the seasons. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and then through that I found tarot, like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which became. Um, I mean, I it's kind of hard to remember my life like pre tarot as far as like self growth and self development because that for me was really like, like holy shit! It opened up so much for me as far as like here is a mirror to yourself, like here's a doorway to yourself. Um, and it's not biased. Like you shuffle the cards, you sit down, you're like, what's up? And uh, it's, it's all laid out in front of you. And somehow tarot, like always gives you what you need. (laughs) (laughs) And it is. And I think that's, what's so magical about it. Um, and then I fell in love with, with archetypes and through tarot is like my, um, my love of astrology came And just this past like year and a half, I started formally studying astrology, like before it was very much like self-study, very much like how the beginning of my tarot journey was, which was a lot of self-study, a lot of like reading, like I'm a uh, Virgo moon. And so I feel like that affects my learning. So I've, I was very like, read every book I can and like have a whole binder with a, a like, you know, page for every card. Um, and so, yeah, just learning about astrology through the lens of tarot and layering those two on top of each other and then taking this past year and a half to really, um, I study with Leah Samuels of Moonlight Offerings. And she's just been so amazing and guiding me in my astro studies. So, um, reading charts is like a
0: whole new world.
1: But yeah, so that is that's kind of my 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 journey in a very um, spiralic way to use Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like um, it always is, which is why I love asking that question, which um, yeah. has brought up so many questions. First of all, I didn't know you were from Ohio. Yeah, I'm from daddy. What brought you to Denver?
1: So, yeah, so I made my way out west. This is a fun story. I was dating my partner at the time um, oh, four years ago now, um, and we're both from um, Ohio. Um, He was working summers in Alaska. So we were kind of like wanting to migrate out of Ohio together as a couple. And so we're like, "Where where would we wanna go? So we decided to move to Portland, Oregon together. So I actually landed in Portland I did a like four day road trip, packed up my little Honda Civic, um, drove across the country by myself uh, and I was meeting him there. Mm -hmm. So it was, and that was a really profound time and moment. And just to like see the land and feel the land and this country in that way on my own was really, Mm -hmm. like I'd never done anything like that. So um, yeah, so I made it out West. I stopped to visit a friend in Boulder, Colorado, actually, and stayed the night with her. And I called my boyfriend at the time. And I was like, I think we made the wrong decision. Like, I really love it here. Mm -hmm. And I feel like maybe we should have chose Colorado. And we're just kind of like, well, it's too late now. We'll just see. Mm -hmm. And literally, we lived in Portland for maybe less than like a year. And we ended up closing that chapter of our lives together in a relationship. And I was like, you know, my friend just set me down and she, we were talking about Portland and she's like, you just don't seem very happy here. And I was like, I'm not. She's like, well, where would you go? And I was like, I think I want to go to like Denver. And she's like, okay. And then a month later, I moved here. <laughs> oh my God, yes. <laughs> it was like, and I'm not that pert, like, I'm not very spontaneous. I'm not um, very like, oh, I'm just going to pull the trigger on something. And so, I think that was a catalyst for me kind of recognizing my own power in a lot of ways of like, Mm. um, and my magic, because at the time, like Portland was the first place where I started to find community as far as like other witches, like and like take classes and like, what is it like to like, you know, actually, like, what does it actually mean to like be a witch um who practices with other folks and like maybe be a part of a coven and like I was even thinking Mm -hmm. about doing like a mystery school so like all of this all of these things came up there and then doing like my own rituals to literally make shit happen so that I could move within a month like literal like I still look back at that and I'm just like what the hell? Like, how did I even, <laughs> how did I even do that all on my own? And then I wasn't alone, you know, like I had my mom and I had like my best friends and, you know, everybody was like rooting for me. And then also like using magic to literally say, okay, this is what you want, put it out there, claim it and uh, see what happens. And so, yeah, I could say more about that, but yeah, that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm like, please do say more about that because I actually yeah, and I think
1: to- so- yeah, so like, so, you know, I think most of my magical and even like a lot of my yogic and like tarot practices before that were like excavation, you know, like, oh, what can I discover about myself? Like, you know, and it was very much like coming from like a, a, a lens into like the the broader scope of like who who I am as a person that moment of like deciding to move and like make a decision that was solely for me and not for anyone else um felt like a a pivot in my magical practice where i was like oh like i can actually use magic and yoga and tarot as ways to embody like a change that i want to make happen you know mm-hmm. and like really claim i i say power like really claim my power and say like i don't have to just be like a passive bystander like you know to just allow things to like happen or i'm also very i can be very wishy-washy like ah do i want it do i not <laughs> but like really what happens when you when you step in and say this is what i want and like this is what, um, this is where I want to be, like, this is where I want to go, um, was very expansive for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, So yeah. I, mean,
0: I love that, because I've been thinking about that a lot this year, especially when we're in a pandemic, and literally so much is out of our control about how empowering it feels to work with virtual and magic. It feels yeah. like reclaiming what power I do have, because I still have some, even though there's yeah. a pandemic. You know, even though there's so much out of my control, I still have some power. I still have some choices I can make. I still have some agency and working with digital helps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that, that's
1: like agency is a word that I use a lot. I use it a lot with like my clients too. Like how can you give yourself agency in the situation? Um, and it's in it. And I toggle back and forth with it too, because I think like everyone else this year, And really for me, like the past, like four or five years, this in the spiritual world, but as a whole, like this taking off of like the rose colored glasses around spirituality, spiritual practices, ritual, and like, you know, this idea of like, what is, what is agency? What is claiming your power? What is not having power over, but really... Mm -hmm. Using power in a way that says, "Yeah, this is about my own personal power, but what I do affects other people," you know. And it's been very interesting to see how how do I talk about power and agency and um, claiming what we want uh, without also not being like dismissive of the fact that there are real power <laughs> dynamics that keep folks from, from, you know, being able to claim that space. So that's been interesting too, like Mm. uh, exploring that.
0: Yeah, I think that's so important. And the conversation around power is so nuanced because, I mean, in the spiritual world, it can really tend towards complete bypassing of those power dynamics you were talking about of systems of oppression and how power plays into that. And we can go completely into like, it's only you and your own power and nothing else mm-hmm. matters. And like, even if, if you don't have the things that you want, it's because of you. And it's like, right. Oh, that's not <laughs> blaming. I know. Yeah. And, it, and, it's like, <laughs> and it's like, you have to be so, well, I found
1: that I have to be so careful in even like using my intuition in talking about like, those dynamics with whoever is in front of me. Right. Like Mm -hmm. really thinking about like who my audience is, whether that's like a client in a tarot session or my yoga students, because I think as a yoga teacher, that's what I realized. I was like, you know, I, I have a, it's a huge, I've always felt that teaching, reading, these are huge responsibilities, you know, and you are holding space for someone. I'm holding space for someone to potentially you know, really reach in and, and claim a part of themselves and see a part of themselves and mm-hmm. embody a part of themselves that, you know, yeah. um, maybe that they haven't thought about before and doing that in a way in which they have agency, they feel like um, very sovereign and powerful um, without without bypassing any part of those external power dynamics, right? And mm-hmm. And systems of oppression. So, yeah, it's been very, very um, um, interesting. <laughs> to yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's such a good point. Like, I think we have such a huge responsibility as teachers and facilitators and readers and any of us who are in this kind of healing space, spiritual space, Um, we have a huge responsibility because when we understand that this work is powerful, we understand it has power and we need to use that in a really responsible way. And I mean, maybe you've had this experience too, but I've definitely had clients who have been harmed by other practitioners who have been harmed by spiritual ideas that feel like exactly what we were talking about victim blaming and all those kinds of things and it's like yeah we need to be really careful and understand that this is a responsibility we can't just like totally say whatever you know say
1: whatever yeah (laughs) Or, or say whatever without context right yeah like and just be in a space where it's like you know oh it is just me. So I I can do whatever I want. And like, you can, you can literally do whatever you want. (laughs) Is that, (laughs) what, what's your, what's your goal with that? You know, like, where are you trying to get to? And is that the best way to go about it? Right. If you're, if you're ignoring a whole, a whole part of the conversation. So yeah, I think context has been my best friend and really (laughs) Um, seeing how and even in my own story in my own life how I've put myself unknowingly in disempowering situations because those those contextual conversations weren't being had Mm -hmm. Um, and and how sometimes I I knowingly did like maybe it was a conscious thing but also I thought like ah it'll I'll be okay but then I had to look at how me doing that literally was harmful to those I was interacting with you know what I mean like it was harmful to my students like me being in a space and yeah so it was just like we're all and that's where the conversation I was having this conversation with one of my teachers like that idea of like okay if we want to talk about yoga and we want to talk about systems of spirituality um that that say you know we're all one (laughs) like really then okay, what does that look like using that in a very responsible way, right? And not, and knowing that your actions directly affect the whole, right? And what you say Mm -hmm. and what you do matters. So,
0: yeah, I think the thing for me with that whole, like, we're all one idea is like, yeah, I think that's true. And like, we can use that to completely bypass the conversation in reality or we can use that to like root into taking action to like actually make that true where we all actually are like full of love and like exactly so yeah I think that conversation is not happening in some places where yeah and
1: I think and I'm really excited that it is starting to happen and I think that that is one thing like the evolution of my work going from a place of like self-discovery to self-empowerment to then how do I sit at the seat of a teacher, um, in a really holistic way, you know, Mm -hmm. like self, self self-empowerment, teaching folks to use their own intuition, um, giving them a sense of, of agency, and then also a sense of like community and like, what is, what is, that communal responsibility also look like so all of those things like coming together like that's kind of I feel like that's been the evolution of my my work and it's 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 kind of sometimes it's like scary you know because you're like I don't want to mess up (laughs) but
0: yeah I mean yeah that kind of makes me want to ask you about how you put yourself out there in not in a perfectionistic way, but honoring that, like, you might make mistakes, like you might mess up, people might judge you. I think that's, yeah, I mean, that's definitely been something that's been hard for me, for sure. And yes pretty much everyone I talk to. (laughs) Absolutely. Um,
1: So I'll, I'll talk about it in a couple ways. With teaching yoga, it always felt very natural to me. Like, putting myself out there in a way of like, I'm gonna host and hold space in the yoga realm. Like never, I never had a second, like I never had a doubt in my mind about being a teacher in that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's evolved over time. And there's a beautiful, huge awakening and reckoning within the yoga community, rightfully so, of what it means to teach yoga in like a non-appropriative honoring way. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out what that looks like for me. Um, and just listening and really <laughs> re- reorienting myself. Um, and then also in a lot of ways realizing like, okay, yeah, I was doing it. Like I was on the right track and, and reorienting where I need to, where I've gotten off track, you know? So like the yoga is like, you know i know that space and like how to hold it like the back of my hand and i love it mm-hmm. um and there's nothing like uh being in a class moving and breathing mm-hmm. with folks and now in the virtual space you know still same same but different right with tarot because it is so um i was self-taught for a few years before i started studying with Lindsay mack um, and formally studying with a teacher that for me is where I really learned and had to experience that contraction around I'm putting myself out here Um, and it took a lot of stumbles (laughs) and a lot of um, mistakes I think to really start to land at the place where I am now where I sit down to a reading and I feel very confident um, like I know know what I'm doing there and, and, and really like allow myself to say, you know, it's not the way that I deliver the message and how much compassion I can hold for someone in front of me and empathy is absolutely my responsibility. Everything else is a conversation. I like, I tell all my clients when they sit down with me, it's a conversation between you, me and spirit. And so and the cards, you know, um, and you can reject whatever you need to and receive whatever you need to. Right. And that boundary helped me a lot. So I think the long, the short of it is like really getting clear with my boundaries in my work helped me to expand my work and be more confident in my work. Um, and, that, and that's true even for yoga, too, because just even like, you know, the, the idea of sitting at the seat of a teacher and saying, you know, this is, I, I don't know how I want to say it. I don't know. This, let me think about it for a second. Yeah. yeah just like having really clear, I think I'm going to go with what I was saying. <laughs> just having really <laughs> clear boundaries with myself and like setting the setting the space with other folks helped me a lot um, in getting very clear around how to put myself and like my work out there into the world Mm -hmm. Um, like this is who I am this is who I'm not if you're coming to me for reading this is what you can expect and like this is what you're not gonna get you know like um, and I think that's the beauty like when I get readings from other people it's so different but it's so rich Mm -hmm. like and the reader will like go into their spiel, you know, and I'm just like, yeah, here for it all. Literally, <laughs> I get it, and like I want to receive, you know. I just get in such a space of like receiving when I'm with other other teachers and healers and practitioners. But um, yeah, like I think really getting clear around. Um, who I am and what I want to offer in my work has helped me a lot and saying like, okay, yeah, if I put this out here, I'm confident that what I'm offering is a true extension of what I know. Mm-hmm. And literally even in this, like being nervous to be here with you in this, in this space, <laughs> I literally wrote, you know, like, like talk about what, you know, nothing less, nothing more, you know, like who, like what lens are you coming from right now? And that, has really helped me, um, in my work, I guess. I don't know. Does that answer the question? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm just so nodding along. Yes. I mean, talk about what, you know, that's so good because I feel like I put this pressure on myself, certainly to feel like I need to know everything mm-hmm. that's in like anywhere generally related to the realm of what I do. And it's totally. like, I don't, there's so much, I don't know. And totally. that's so okay. It's just like the pressure yeah. um, that we put oh, on. And,
1: and it's not even real fucking pressure. It's like, pressure <laughs> like, like social media, like everybody oh has to be an expert in everything. Yeah. Cause we, that's how we receive it. Right. It's like, you have to know about 50,000 things in order to be successful. And it's like, actually just like, you know, owning what you do know and what you want to offer And yeah, I think it's tough. Like you have, you occupy multiple modalities, right? And I think that's where sometimes it can get tough to say, like, I have to be the ultimate tarot reader. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) I got to know every archetype ever. I got to know all the things. And it's like, how do you read, like refining, you know, and like, how do you read tarot and who's going to benefit from that, like your readings, you know, how are you? The way I teach breath work is going to be different than the way that you teach breath work, but that's okay. And you're an expert in your own lived experience. So if you come from that lens, then you can't go wrong. I think where we get uh, caught up in that is like, for me, it's like I get caught up in like the aesthetic and like, is this going to like, you know, is this like, does this look good? Like, Does this sound okay? Like when I transitioned into the virtual space, I was working with a really dear friend of mine and he was helping me. And he's just like, this, he's like, you gotta just let it go to the wind. (laughs) Like every morsel is not gonna be perfect. And so you just have to, you know, kind of embrace the imperfections. And knowing that what I'm thinking about as an imperfection, probably no one is like, cares about like we're so in ourselves and in our inner dialogue a lot of the time I think that's that communal piece right like if my work is going to be of service to people then some things are just going to have to I'm going to have to let go of that idea that has to be perfect before I put it out there because then I lose out and I've definitely been there like (laughs) I've been like oh afraid to put an offering out or to say something or to um Uh, take up space in a certain way and then I'm like no like you know I wish I could remember who told me this I think it was in a reading but they were like you know you're if you don't put your work out there like you're not only harming yourself you're harming those who could actually benefit from your work and harming is a strong word it was in the context of a reading but you know, you get it. Like, it's that idea that like, there are people who could actually benefit from your unique way of doing your thing. And, um, and yes, fucking study and like study with teachers and like own where you come from and like really step into your power in that way. I'm by no means saying like, take your one week workshop and then start teaching, (laughs) like definitely hone your skill and like hone your craft, you know? Um, But also trust that, like, when you put in the time and the work and the diligence in your own, on your own path and your own self-study too, yoga, swadhyaya from the sutras, like, you,
0: you'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you'll be okay yeah this is so kings of the tarot to me it's like yes, yes your thing is about you and also it's not because it's really about the people who are yes. who you're helping who need it and it's like mm-hmm. yeah rooting into that perspective totally is so helpful totally I think yeah all teachers
1: should work with work with the kings like I think they're so great and that's so great too like I mean, I, I think of the kings as many versions of and many lenses, really facets of the ultimate king, the emperor, you know, mm-hmm. and like, I, I think that's a beautiful kind of like full circle moment for me is like this whole conversation of like, power dynamics, sovereignty, agency, like, you know, being a teacher, like all those things, like, they ultimately, you know as an emperor this is like emperor year yeah like what who are we showing up as like what facet of the emperor are we embodying um and then there's the shadow side of that work too so that's why I say you know by no means is it like you know just be all willy-nilly with whatever you're doing because yeah what you are doing has real impact right so yeah totally
0: Yeah. um, I love that idea so much as the four kings being different facets of the emperor. That's really beautiful. And what we're talking about, about teaching and power and all of it is making me think about how the practice of yin yoga for me, and obviously, because you teach this, I'm thinking about it, but (laughs) how the practice of yin yoga for me is so much one of like being with discomfort. It's like staying in the pose even though Mm -hmm. I kind of don't want to be here anymore. Um, And Mm -hmm. my mind is like going and going. And it's so much with like learning how to be with myself. And so I'm just wondering for you. Yeah. Like what's the magic of yin yoga for you? Why do you love it? Why do you teach this kind of yoga specifically?
1: I, okay. So yin yoga, um, funny story. My one, now one of my best friends was my first uh, yin yoga teacher ever, aunt Kylie. And she, um, I remember, sorry, there's a, can you hear this garbage <laughs> truck going by? I of
0: hear it, but I think, okay. I think you're fine. <laughs> okay, cool.
1: Sorry. Um. So, oh, you're good. living in the
0: city. Um, I could not believe how loud this like leaf blower somebody was out here. I was like, oh my God.
1: Yeah. Sorry. So, yeah. So. Kyle was my first yin yoga teacher and I remember taking my first yin yoga class and I fucking hated it. I was like, I gotta get out of here. I literally, that's all that I was thinking. I was like, I have to go. Like I have to go. And I think I don't think that's like unique to me. <laughs> I think a lot of people like you get in there and you're like, you want me to hold what for like how long or you want me to be here and you want me to be still and focus on the breath. For how long, like it felt uh, very confronting. I think now I have that language, but it was just very confronting. I was like a go, go, go kind of gal. I'm an airy son. I don't know if I said that already. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, you know, very much like was into the vinyasa, into the fast, into the, you know, gaining strength and like, you mm-hmm. know, all those things um, and mastering the philosophy, you know, but She said something to me and she's like, you know, just honor your timing with it, you know, like don't force it, but honor your timing with it. Come to it when you feel like you could really benefit from being, you know, with yourself and being quiet. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, that is why I think now I teach like this practice because I know how. When I'm really confronted with something um, or I'm really, really struggling to see myself or or hold others with compassion, um, that's where I need to like go and be quiet and sit Mm -hmm. still and be with myself the most, you know? And I think especially in in the world that we are living in right now, to be able to develop a relationship with quiet and stillness and be reflective and to get into these shapes and, you know, hold space for the fact and the knowing like the discomfort will pass Mm -hmm. and that on the other side of that discomfort may be a new um, way of being for you, a new way of interacting is I think a really beautiful thing you know like i i could see after some time of slowly meandering my way into again <laughs> practice over time um how how my threshold for patience increased mm. with other people and mm. i think that is very important again for not only your own well-being and being able to say like I can cultivate patience with myself first, you know, like yeah. that extends to everyone around you and all the other interactions that you have. Um. So yeah, that's, I love yin.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really appreciate that you said that you hated it when you first tried. Totally.
1: <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I'm not, I was like, you, like- like the music is like, was like so slow and like, <laughs> just like, and Kai's great. Like she just, you know, she's, she had, a, she has a beautiful voice and a beautiful way of teaching that practice that's very invitational. And I think that's the other thing too. It's like an invitation. Mm-hmm. Um, because I also, you know, like I tell people like a part of this work too is like figuring out what is actually, pain versus discomfort like are you hurting yourself are you forcing it are you also like how how are you embodying you know this idea of slow still quiet uh reflective in a respectful way Mm -hmm. because it's one thing to get into a yin practice and really be honoring you know discomfort it's another to be in pain and just be like "Mm, i'm gonna like push through i'm just gonna like suffer in silence like that's not what we're doing either you know like it's like really learning how to um to maybe sit with things that are a little bit hard to sit with the deeper parts of yourself without pushing into that depth you know mm. without like poking it and prodding it in a way where then you actually end up doing more harm than good you know like i think it's like yielding
0: mm other side
1: of emperor, then we go into empress, you know?
0: Yeah. Oh my God. So good. (laughs) I also find yin often for myself to be quite emotional. Like I cry during yin sometimes, or even I'll have, like, I'm feeling a somatic release of like tears, even if I'm not consciously crying. Like, yeah, I find that yin brings up a lot for me.
1: Yeah. And that's, I think that's true for a lot of like, well, not a lot, but I think that's true for folks. Like, I've heard that feedback. Um, I the way that I experience Yin for me is like nah. I think really like I remember having releases like what you're talking about, um, but they were very rare, and so I was just kind of like okay, like for me it's a way to like actually go slightly beyond the like emotional and like what's the like physical emotional psychological correlation in my body and like how like what is real release I was talking about this with a client of mine and like I was like what is like you can feel certain parts certain like mechanisms of your body literally giving way and opening up and I think it can happen in an emotional way like what you're describing in a physical way um in like in that somatic way like there's so many layers to it and giving space for students to have their own experience of that. And like, none of it's, none of it's wrong, you know, like, because I think that's, it's so amazing when, and it's just permission, right? It's like so much of yin is like, can you allow, like, I say Mm -hmm. that a lot, like, can you allow yourself to receive a deeper breath? Can you allow yourself to stay present, even if you might want to, go the other way, you know, even if you might want to turn yeah. the other way and like turn away from that presence. Can you just, um, really, really be with what, with what is like actually happening, you know, cause there's so much that can distract us and detract us from like being in that space of self-awareness and being reactionary. Um, you know, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's fascinating to notice where, what I want to do, where my mind wants to go when I'm being asked to yeah, allow presence, allow stillness. It like can take a while for me sometimes to actually sink Yay. in because I'm like, oh, I'm bored. I want to look at my phone. I want to, I'm like thinking about all these things and I don't want to just like be here, but I just continue to be here. And usually eventually then I can get into like some of those deeper layers. And-
1: Yeah. And this is why I love uh, layering yoga, yogic philosophy with the archetypes of tarot and astrology and the moon, you know, Mm -hmm. like, because the inner reflects the, the outer and the outer reflects the inner. And if we can see ourselves in these seasonal patterns and these ways of being Um, in these archetypes within, um, it it kind of takes the pressure off a little (laughs) bit of us, you know, to just, you know, say, okay, like these are, they're universal ways of experiencing what I'm experiencing now. Can I, um, a practice that I love is like, you know, really just naming what it is you're feeling and like not having any judgment around that. And I think archetypes can help us do that because it's like, if you even think about like Scorpio season, right? Like a big thing of Scorpio seasons honoring death or honoring grief or honoring what needs to go, um, honoring literal depth, right? Mm-hmm. Like literal deep, um, you know, the, the richness of, of the dark. even when we're fucking scared (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I think and that transformative process of like knowing that like that is going to give way to something else to be birthed you know Mm -hmm. and then it becomes like oh yeah who what archetype am I playing right now you know like what what archetype am I embodying right now that can help me you know see my see that facet of myself more clearly so that I know that I don't have to um, you know, to carry it all in a very heady way. Cause it can always, it can feel like, I think Ian can sometimes feel like, you know, um, I, I don't know, like, it's just like, oh my gosh, like it's t- it can be tough sometimes. It's tough to be still, it's tough to be quiet. Um, so I think if you have a guiding kind of force or um, moment where you can see outside of yourself and then look back in, right? Yeah, <laughs> it can be really sweet
0: yeah and I love working with the tarot in that way too like thinking of these archetypes as things that are like they're alive they're living they're within yes. us yeah they're not just these cards outside of us it's like they come up and it's like oh this is an invitation to embody this part of myself that's already here totally which I love I,
1: yeah and I wonder like so I had an offering. I think we had very similar offerings, actually. (laughs) You had a tarot class that was like fused breath work, I think, and maybe yoga. I also like this. I just finished the cycle back in the summer, but we went through the major arcana, not all of it. um, And I call it's called intuitive and embodied tarot. And literally, Mm -hmm. that's what it's about. It's about, okay, we're going to talk about the archetype from a very like you know, historical, um, like theoretical moment, we'll talk about it in a more intuitive way. Um, And then we literally do yoga movement practices, breathwork practices that help us like literally breathe life into the card, into the archetype, you know? Cause it's like not just like, that was like something that I did when I started really working with tarot. i pull, I'd like sit down, Pull my tarot card, <laughs> put it at the top of my mat. And I'm like, what is this? You know, how does this look like in a physical sense? You know, what is this? Yeah. What does this look like in a movement sense? Like to move through it, not just to have it be a stagnant, like um, flat, non dimensional thing, but like, what does it look like, you know, to walk through the world in that way? And I think that's the beauty of tarot, too. You start to see that in the world around you. Mm-hmm. Everything is like a tarot card.
0: That's so true. Yes. You're like, oh, you're having a star moment. Cool. I am so Page of Pentacles right now. Yes. Yes. yes totally. Yeah, but I mean, and you're right. I did used to teach embodied tarot classes and I don't anymore, but I loved them. And I, I, I think that's just like how I relate to the cards exactly what you're saying it's like what does it mean to experience this part of myself and even like oh can I just play with trying on this queen of swords today like even if it's no idea how yeah can I just play with it what might totally
1: and I think too it can be um a really beautiful way to take it out of again, like just like get out of your head around it and just be like what is it like to like really embrace this and like try it on especially if it's a part of yourself that you're not used to being with right yeah <laughs> and that and that takes it back to like begin like can we assist, can we give ourselves tools to to embrace the part of ourselves that are a little bit more uncomfortable and to see what part of, part of ourselves like are outdated you know like where we have to like evolve, as that archetype because some of us are really good and this like um, I work with a type of yoga called Katona yoga and um, you know this idea that like playing with archetypes in yoga practices like what does it mean to literally put yourself in an asana put yourself in a pose um, but not play it the way that you want to play it for a very specific archetype and it's, for me, it's been really profound because I'm so stubborn. I'm like, mm, I want to do it. I wanna do it my way, you know? Yeah. And what happens when I let go of my personal attachment, play the archetype, and then see how energy runs through the shape.
0: It's mm. different.
1: It's also very challenging because we, get, we hold a lot of attachment to, I mean, I don't want to say it in like a, everybody does this, but I think we can hold attachment to you know, the way that we like to do shit. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> and it can be, <laughs> funny, I think sometimes to use these practices, um, in a way that allows you to say, okay, can I acknowledge my personal investment in this? And then really say consciously, like, I'm going to choose to do it a different way. I'm going to choose to be, um, in my Queen of Swords to use your example in a way in which, you know, um I evolve the way that I set boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Like I instead of um and I evolve the way that I cut ties with what's not for me. Right. Because in that 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 like I can be very sharp and just say no. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, let's investigate, you know, what is that boundary there for and why, you know? Um, and am I still able to receive open hand? So yeah, it's yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think what's so beautiful about, I mean, as we're talking about the queen of swords, but about the queen energy is, it is that like, there's more fluidity to it, more invitation to evolve to it. It's like asking those kinds of questions.
1: Definitely asking those questions. And um, I think that's something that I've, you know, really tried to work with over my years of teaching too, is like having it be Um, Instead of telling someone like, you know, your hips hold whatever, you know, like those like (laughs) kind of like outdated ways of like saying something and they, they, they like, it's well-meaning, you know, but like, instead of telling somebody, here's what's going to happen, having it be more of an experience for them to say like, you know, the invitation is to notice what is happening for you. Like mm-hmm. what is happening for you within this very powerful moment with your hips, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever it might be, your heart or like, how, how do you like challenging people to think about how they're actually relating to their bodies um, and how they're actually relating even to their thoughts. Like that's, mm-hmm. I started a lot of classes that way. Like, you know, what's the tone of your thoughts? What's the quality of like how you're talking to yourself? I can be such a bitch to myself. Oh yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, what are you saying? And like, what's that running narrative? And um is it useful, right? Is yeah. it in alignment with where you actually are in this moment? Is it not? Like just being really curious.
0: Yeah. And like, is it old? Is it even yours? Is it even you who's it's saying those yours. things?
1: Like is it, is it even <laughs> that's a big one (laughs) because a lot of the times
0: it is not (laughs) yep yep (laughs) and even what you're saying I love it so much about this moment of like okay we don't need to tell people you know you store a lot of emotions in your hips and that's what you're feeling right now it's like we have these opportunities where we can help people cultivate more trust with themselves or we can Um, invite them to erode that trust by like telling them what they're experiencing which may or may not be what they're experiencing or how they're relating to it um like we can hold that space in a way that invites them to to trust themselves more and i i think we should but that's just my opinion
1: yeah i yeah i totally yeah that self-trust because i think without that trusting of the self like it's so interesting teaching folks about the idea of using their intuition you know like and what the having worked with folks who some people love the idea of like being more intuitive and they're like I feel like I'm naturally that way I just want to like hone in on it and then other people are like I have no idea what that means like I don't know what it means to be an intuitive human being. And I think a lot of that is directly tied to trust and um, trusting ourselves, especially if like you said, that's been eroded by um, by others, by external forces, whether that be in a very um, broad external way, like systems of oppression and injustices that certain groups of folks face, um, or just within your family dynamic, or, like, you know, people who are the closest to you, Um, and I always say, like, proof that shit, like, what does it look like to, like, follow your intuition, and then, you know, keep proofing it over and over again, like, that's the only way, in my opinion, to really kind of, you know, like, really drop in, and, and, and learn how to work with it, is you just have to, you have to proof it, and you have to, I don't know. I think when I first started teaching intuition or like talking about it, I was like, you know, here's what it is and here's what it's not. And I think it's great, like if you want to really define it in that way. Um, But I think the truth now that I've started to discover is like it looks, feels, is, acts differently for everyone. Mm-hmm. And so the way to go about really mining your own intuition is just to really drop in with yourself and say, this is something that I want to do. And when I feel an intuitive hit, whatever that looks like, can I follow that? And what happens when I do and what happens when I don't? I have plenty of stories around following my intuition and plenty of stories around when I did it. And I learned a lot.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I wish everyone could see the look that you just made, (laughs) the face you just made. (laughs) and also same yep. yep there have been so many times where I haven't followed my intuition and there have been lots of times where I have too and either way you definitely <laughs> learn a lot you learn
1: and it's like you learn yeah you learn.
0: <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> oh my god you're so fun and easy to talk to I don't want to let you go <laughs>
1: thank you this is super fun I yeah I had a lot of fun it was great
0: <sighs> good can I ask you the last question that I ask yes, on the absolutely. show Okay. Um since the name of the podcast is Living Open, what does Living Open mean to you?
1: So, living open to me means I so I think it means just having the sense of personal agency and personal freedom. To inhabit the world in a way that feels really authentic and really in line with your own, with your own being. I don't know. That's really heavy. I like. I. <laughs> it's like I didn't mean for it to come out that way. I, I. I don't know. It's just like living openly to me means not letting anyone else dictate the way that you show up in the world around you, mm. even when it's very hard, even when you want to close off. Even when you feel like I should and would benefit from being smaller in this space or in this way, um, it's choosing yourself and it's choosing to show up and and be as big and as full and as bright as you possibly can, Mm -hmm. right? And like very much being in alignment with what your own truth is and knowing that like you can have a lot of compassion and empathy for other people's truths and choices um, as long as they're not harmful to other people. So really cultivating this sense of self where you hold both personal responsibility and awareness, um, working to cultivate personal peace and Mm -hmm. empowerment, um, and also, you know, working to exist in a way where that, that doesn't harm or hurt anybody else around you. I would say that.
0: Yeah, I love that. Cool. <laughs> it's
1: like, I don't know. I think it's like, you know, I had an answer and then I was like, I don't know. I mean, I do know. I'm not going to say I don't know. I do know because I just said it. But um,
0: <laughs> I think the thing I love about asking this question is like, there's no right or wrong answer. Oh, it's really. just like, whatever totally. it is to you, like there is no right or wrong answer. I'm just yeah. curious to hear. Yeah. No, and, and I
1: think it goes back to, for me, it's like going back to that idea of when we're talking about like, I have to know everything. Like, I think I wanted to say something really profound. And it's just like, I don't, like it's like, that's what it is for me. Um, doing the best that I can. Amiss to like my own personal insecurities and worries, like just showing up and doing... Yeah you know, showing up and being myself and, and, you know, doing the best that I can. I think living openly means doing the best that you can to, to show up for yourself and those around you in a really loving way. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah.
0: Can you tell everyone where they can find you, come to yes. a class, anything you have coming up that you want to tell people about?
1: Cool. So, yeah, you can find me on Instagram at davidia.turner. My website is davidiaturner.com. And, yeah, you can catch – I teach weekly live Zoom yoga classes, a Mm yin class and a hatha class, um, as well as seasonal offerings. So um, I have the winter solstice virtual gathering coming Mm -hmm. up um, and that'll be on December 20th from 4 to 6 p.m. Um, in the virtual space, that's Mountain Standard Time for all of you out there. And yeah, it's a fusion of, it'll be restorative yoga, um, mm. meditation and ritual. So I love the season seasonal offerings. Um, and yeah, sign up for my newsletter, which you can do at my website, and that's the best way to stay in touch with all of the things that I do and um, I think that's it yeah
0: amazing thank you cool. for sharing and just a shout out I highly recommend your classes your yin class I went know. to it was so nice and hopefully I can come to some others too so yeah definitely thank check so those much things much. out for everyone listening
1: <laughs> cool thanks Erin this was so yeah. fun
0: thank you for being here thank you for listening Definitely check out Davidia's incredible classes, her readings, all of the good things. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do tap five stars on Apple Podcasts or even leave a nice written review. It means so much. I really love hearing what the show means to you, and it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show if it supports you um, outside of financial exchange. So I'll be back on Monday with another interview and stay in touch on Patreon and Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore. Until then.